Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Because the title for today is Jesus Walks on Water. We're just going to do part one today in Mark chapter 6, 45 to 48. And I showed this, the title of this video I just showed is Sadly, I Can't Do These Things Anymore. <laughs> amazing stunts. Wasn't it wild to watch all these amazing stunts? But we're going to see Jesus do something that's really impossible. Those things look impossible for you or I, but th- people are doing these things. But what we're going to see here in Mark chapter 6 is Jesus do something that's truly impossible that only he can do. And we've been looking at the power of Jesus Christ here in Mark. And the new section we're on is Jesus' power shown through miracles. The miracles of Jesus and the power shown through the miracles. We looked at last week, a couple weeks ago, Jesus feeding 5,000. Today we're going to look at another really wild one. And each of these miracles and each display of power that Jesus shows is to teach us something about faith. To help us grow in our faith in a whole new way. And let me pray first. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing us through some pretty busy, crazy weeks to be here. We thank you for the ministry from yesterday at the relay and tonight at the game. And just pray, Father, that your spirit now, we know we're here for a reason. Your spirit wants to speak to us through your word. We pray for your mercy and grace to to grow in our faith and to, to hear from you and to allow you to transform us, making us more like your son, Jesus. We pray that in his name. Okay, so well, I'm going to read the passage first of all. You know, we're not going to get through the whole passage today. We're going to don't miss next week. Next week, part two. Today's kind of the rougher waters, and next week's kind of the happy ending. So don't miss the happy ending next week. But in Mark chapter six, we'll pick it up with verse. Why am I having trouble? Okay, Mark. I've got too many verses here. Mark chapter six, starting with verse forty-five, where he says. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him into Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And whenever, wherever he was, went into villages, towns, or countrysides. They placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Wild here. Let's pick it up with verses 45 and 46. I call this the ride and hide verses here. The ride and hide. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him into Bethsaida where he, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, why did Jesus 
send the disciples off on a boat ride and then go hide. That's why I call it the ride and hide here. Why do you send them off on a boat ride and then go hide? Why did he do that? To understand this, and some of you might already know this, we have to look at, at the parallel passage in John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it shows us why Jesus sent them off on a ride and went to hide. Verse 14, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, talking about feeding the 5,000, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So the parallel passage shows us why this happened. Jesus is being tested here. This is a test. He feeds the 5,000. If you missed that, it was a wild passage. Get the CDs or go on the podcast. But, but he's being tested now. He's being tested whether he's going to be an earthly king or the kingdom of heaven. Is he going to be the king of the kingdom of heaven? He's being uh, tested here. The people recognize him as the second Moses. What did the first Moses give the people? Manna. God used them to bring manna down, and the people had all the food they wanted. And they said, here he is, Moses fulfilled. Here's the, Moses was a type of Jesus, and, and Jesus is now being recognized as the second Moses. They knew, but he knew they were only interested in the bread. They were materialistic. The crowd, he, he knew this crowd that was following him was very materialistic. They were only interested in the bread. What's for breakfast, Mr. President? They want to make him the president, right? Our clue, what's our clue that they're materialistic and not seeing things spiritually or seeing things Physically. What's our clue? They want to make him king by force. <laughs> that is our clue. You see, when the Roman emperors of this time, when they were going to become the emperor, they called it assuming the purple. Those who are history buffs know what I'm talking about. It was called assuming the purple. And often, most, there was very few nice elections or passing on power. Usually it was a coup d'etat. And the new, the, the soldiers would, would riot. They would kill the old emperor, and then they would want someone to lead them because now they got a mess on their hands. And they would look for a general or a politician that was popular, and they would want him to become the, the new emperor. And they would have to force him. They would, they would force them. They would make them take the crown. Why did they have to make most good men take the crown? They didn't want to be leading because what, would it, what did they know was going to happen? It may be months, it may be a couple years, but sooner or later, stabbed in the back, you know, a two brutus, right? And they, they know what's coming, that, that they're going to be assassinated too. So they, had the, they would literally force these men to become the emperor of Rome. Because nobody wanted, really wanted that job, a few crazies, but clearly on the others. But, but most didn't want it because they knew they were going to be stabbed in the back. They were going to be assassinated. And that's why they were going to force Jesus. They were just doing what the, the world was doing at this time, forcing emperors to, to, to assume the purple. And they were going to force him. But Jesus had already rejected the worldly kingdom. He was already offered the kingdoms of the world, right? Remember, we looked at that back in Mark, Mark chapter 3, and we did the parallel in Matthew 4. Who offered it to him? Satan. Satan offered him the kingdom. He offered him the, the kingdom of this world, everything that the, the world offers. But Jesus rejected that temptation. Then the temptation was really an offer to bypass the cross. It was a temptation to bypass the cross. God's will for his life, his father's will for his life, it, which included suffering. And he was tempted 
to, to bypass that, Jesus rejected Satan's offer there. And we, now we see, this time the world offers the same thing. Satan offers the kingdom, he didn't take it. This time the world is offering Jesus the kingdom. It's another attempt to bypass the cross. And it's appealing to his flesh. Jesus was fully God, fully human. It is appealing to his flesh. What does our flesh want to do? Avoid suffering at all costs, right? We, we look for easy. We look for comfort. We look, what's going to feed my flesh? Right? The ice cream sundae, the happy ending sundae, right? That, that's what we want. But, but often, no, always God's plan involves the cross. The cross. And, it, and it's hard, and it's against the flesh. And that's our battle. Satan and the world and the flesh is constantly fighting against what God wants us spiritually to have. Fighting against the spirit. The spiritual man. And we all face this temptation daily, don't we? We all face this temptation to do things our way or in the world's way instead of God's way. You face it when you're at work. Cut corners, you know, do something dishonest. Face it at school. Cheat everybody else says. You face it in sports, you know. Take peds, you know. You don't have to work hard. Just take some drugs, you know. It, it's, it's the world's way is constantly offering us something else. And we have to make that decision every day. Are we going to do it the world's way or God's way? One way looks easy, but it's a dead end, right? The, the other way, God's way, looks hard, and it is hard, but it leads to real life here on earth, and it leads to eternal life in heaven someday with God. That's what Matthew 7, 13 to 14 is talking about. When Jesus talks about the, the narrow road, he said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's the picture we have here. And how does Jesus, good lesson for us, how does Jesus handle the temptation to his flesh from the world? How does he handle it here? Yeah, he prays. He, first of all, he walks away, and then he prays. I got two, two rhyming, I'm on a rhyming binge today. Walks away and prays. So that's how he did. He dealt with it. He went up on the top of the mountain, and he prayed. And it's a good lesson for all of us, isn't it? When we are being tempted, and we are all tempted every day, many, many times a day, the best thing to do is get away from the temptation, first of all. Get away from it. That's the one time you'll flee from sexual immorality. You know, the Bible talks about running from sin. That's the one time it's okay to run away from something. Running away from sin is okay. We're not a coward. We're, we're doing what the Bible teaches. That's the best thing we can do. But then also very important to pray, to pour out our heart, to say, God, we're, up, we're, we're alone with God. And we're like, God, I'm struggling. And, and, I, and, I, and be honest. Be honest about the temptation. He knows. You know, it's okay to say, I really want to do this. I really want to do what's wrong. I really want to go the wrong way. I really want to feed my flesh. You know, tell him. He knows it. He knows what we're like. Be honest. Share honestly with God. Pour our heart and ask for that mercy and grace that we talk about all the time. So, this was a test for Jesus, but it was also a test for the disciples. But they were not ready for this test yet. They were not ready, so God gives them a dip. Jesus gives them a different test to offset the test that they weren't ready for. See, he makes the disciples get into the boat. Why? Because he knew they weren't ready for the test. They would have loved to, Jesus, put on the purple. And if you don't want it, I'll put it on. You remember the disciples went to dodos, just like us, right? They're power hungry. Every time Jesus, often Jesus would be talking about dying on the cross and how I'm going to suffer. And what do they do? Oh, can I get on the throne then? Can I be first in line? You know, they're all power hungry guys. I think, oh, can you believe anybody would be like that? 
I'm kidding, right? We're all like that. These disciples are us. And, and so he knew they weren't ready. They, were gonna, they would have loved to you know, run the show you know, and be in the president's cabinet, right? So he gives them a different test. We're going to see a different test here. Because God knows the best way to protect us from worldliness. This is the world's offer, right? God knows the best way to protect us from worldliness is a trial in our life. Isn't that the truth? The best way to get our eyes off of the world and, and the worldliness is a trial, that, a well-timed trial. But this trial, this test that he's, he's avoiding one test by giving him another one, this test has a dual purpose. It's to avoid the test they weren't ready for, but it's also to grow them in their faith in a whole new way. This test is to grow them in their faith in a whole new way, to a whole new level. First, and this is how the different steps are. Remember we looked in Mark chapter 4 when we looked at the first storm. They're in the boat. But the first storm, where was Jesus? In the boat with them. Now he was sleeping with one eye open probably. But he was sleeping there, right? He was testing them. But he was in the boat. This time they're in another storm. And where's Jesus? He's not there. He's up on a mountain. They're alone. In their minds, they're alone. Now, obviously, he knew where they were. He was watching, you know, he could see them. Uh, but, you know, whether it's a miracle or not, he knew, right, where they were. But he's teaching them. This time they can't see him. He's teaching them this time to walk by faith, not by sight. And we're in the same, we're in the same boat today, aren't we? Jesus is not here physically anymore. He ascended after his resurrection 40 days later. He ascended into heaven. Now, it's true. He's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. At that moment, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, comes and lives inside of us. And if you've done it, you know what I'm talking about. It's powerful. But we do have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is not here in the flesh. We can't look at him and talk to him and and see him like the disciples did because we are being taught to walk by faith jesus just as jesus was up on the mountain he for us is up in heaven praying for us all right but so we are walking by faith but each storm that god sends us into has a positive purpose it's a is to build our faith just like the disciples it's building our faith but we have a promise we have a promise that jesus will never send us into a trial without praying for us he will any trial he will ever send you into you we have a guarantee from scripture that he will be up there praying for us watching over and praying for us in fact in romans 8 great passage i could probably spend two weeks in this one but i'll just read it for you in romans 8 verse 34 i'll start with verse 34 <clears throat> he says who is he that condemns christ jesus who died more than that, who has raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Whenever you feel condemnation, something you did wrong, some struggle you're having, a temptation, battle, down, don't listen to that condemnation because Jesus is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. And then he goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ, through him who loved us. 
For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a promise that we have. Memorize that passage. Read it. Cling to the promise. Jesus will never send us into a trial, into a storm, without being there for us and praying for us and without a positive purpose. Any trial that he allows in our life has a positive purpose. Now let's look at their test back in uh, uh, Mark chapter 6. Let's look at their test, which we already read, but Mark chapter 6, verses 47 and 48, where he says, When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. When he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. That's their trial. This is a different storm from the first one. The first violence, the first storm in Mark chapter 4 was violent. It was a violent storm and just, you know, lightning and thunder and all that stuff. But this one is just a strong wind against them. A really strong wind against them. Different kind of storm. But imagine what they must have been thinking. What they must say. If we had a videotape, can you imagine what they must have been saying? You know, some coup. We could have been in the White House by now. And here we are out rowing in the rain. You know, and Judas. Yeah, we could have been rich. We just charged $5 a head for the smorgasbord. You know, 5,000 men and 10,000 women. A lot of money, right? Judas probably. Someone else says, but no, Jesus doesn't like crowds. He doesn't like success. Whenever things are going well, you know, he, he has to thin out the crowd and send them away. He, and we don't even know where Jesus is. And someone else says, yeah, we don't even know where we are. It's pitch black. It's the middle of the night. We'll be lucky if we don't sing. You can imagine these guys must have been complaining. Not, I, I know we're above and beyond that, right? But you can imagine what they must have been like in their struggle. And there's some very important lessons here <clears throat> for the disciples and us. The first one is the high-low principle. I just made it up. Uh, after a spiritual high, expect a low. After a spiritual high, expect a text. You know why? Because Satan does not want us to stay, be excited about our faith. You go on a retreat or something happens, you become a Christian, you get baptized, whatever. Something exciting, but you have a relay for life or whatever it is. God, does, God gives us this high, but Satan does not want us to be excited about our faith. So he attacks us. I remember going to the Philippines five years ago now, about, what was it, five years ago? And uh, we were at the Philippines, and on the way, we had an awesome trip with the ministry and the whole thing that we have going now in the Philippines. But on the, on, I'll never forget it. On the way home, we stopped at the airport. It was in Detroit, and Kim calls me with shattering news, something real serious trial for our church. And I was like, <laughs> you could let me get home first. <laughs> yeah, but we come from this high to smash right in the face, a, a bit major attack. Major attack. Some of you remember that. Uh, the youth group went to the Dominican Republic last summer. They were on fire. Everything's going great. And they were like, wow. And then pow. They got hit some, with some real challenges. That they had to fight through a lot of stuff as a, as a group and as, individ, as individuals. That I, we, I warned them, but when it happened, it still was hard for them to take. 
We just can expect it. Baptism coming up, August 10th, baptism, Lewis Island. If you've never been baptized as a believer, you put your faith in Christ. Not talking about infant, that's a dedication thing. I'm talking about Jesus says, believe and be baptized. And, and it's underwater and out of the water. It's, it's a powerful experience. It's a picture of us dying to our old self and coming out a brand new creature in Christ. That, that's the picture that Jesus has for baptism. That's what he, he practiced, what he's commanded us. Believe and be baptized. If you've never taken that step, you, first of all, you're missing a lot of fun. It's awesome. There's, there, ex, except for becoming a Christian, it's probably the second most powerful spiritual event that you will ever experience. But I always warn everybody. Once you make the commitment to get baptized, you're going to get attacked. You're going to get attacked because uh, Satan doesn't want you to get baptized. And after the baptism, be ready. You're going to get hit again, you know, because, because you're going to be on this spiritual high and you're going to get hit. And then there's going to be that, that high-low principle is there. Just be ready for it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be shocked by it. Just be ready because it's just something that happens spiritually. So very important for us to understand. But here's another thing. Even though we are being attacked, after a high, these attacks and trials are also allowed by God for a reason. There's a positive purpose in what he allows us to go through. Remember the two guarantees we talked about? Uh, in fact, I want to look at Luke, 11, uh, Luke uh, 22. Luke 22, just a reminder, when Peter got sifted, attacked, in Luke, Luke 22... We'll do verses 31 to 32. <laughs> I can't remember the, the books of the Bible. Here, hold on. Luke 22. I'm getting my Gospels mixed up. You know you're old when you're mixing up your Gospels. I'm turning 53 in a few weeks, so I have an excuse. All right, Luke 22, verses 31 to 32. When, now I can't even find it. All right, uh, ah, here we are. They should always highlight big for pastors who are reading. Anyway, verse 31. Simon, Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's a picture, a beautiful picture a hard picture but it's a beautiful picture jesus will not send us into a storm without praying for us and he will only allow a trial for our ultimate good he was preparing peter for his ministry after the resurrection and and he, the purpose of this trial and for our trials is to refine us he was sifted that's a refining process it, it's, it's a refining, but it also prepares us to minister to others. Peter's being prepared to minister to other people. And as we go through our trials, God is refining us and preparing us to minister to other people. We had the Relay for Life yesterday, and a lot of you have gone through cancer. And look at the, those who have been through cancer, how you've ministered to other people who are struggling with cancer. God refines and you go through the chemo, but he's also preparing you to touch many, many other lives. We see it over and over again. That's what God allows in our life for a positive purpose. And God had an important purpose for the disciples in this rocky ride. He was humbling them. We're going to see this next week. He's causing them to look for Jesus. 
and to call out to Jesus and to depend on his grace. That's what God does. He allows us to go through this to humble us and to cause us to look for Jesus. This storm, once again, wasn't that violent storm. It was that long, slow wind, or hard, strong wind against them. And they were rowing, the long, slow rowing all night, back-breaking work, exhausting, discouraging. Anybody rowing against the wind right now? Exhausted and discouraged. And what did it do? It brings us to the end of ourselves, the end of human strength. And when we get to the end of human strength, we depend on God's grace. As long as we got some fight in us, we're going to keep using our flesh, right? But when we get to the end of our strength, we depend on God's grace. God's grace. And another important, this is really important, I want to kind of wrap up with this part. An important perspective to remember is this too. Jesus was the one who sent them into the storm. They were right where God wanted them to be. So often when we're in a tough spot, going through a trial, what do we think? What? We try to figure out, what did I do wrong? Why is God mad at me? What did I do wrong? Right? Don't we often try to figure out what we did wrong? Why is God punishing us? What did we do? Now, sometimes we did do something wrong. Sometimes it is God's discipline because we've sinned and he wants us to bring us to repentance or we... Used our self-will. We didn't look to him for a decision. We just charge ahead on our own. And we do something on self-will. And God reigns us in. We didn't ask for his direction. And we have to say, okay, God, I got the point. I, I'm out, I did it on my own. And I didn't ask you what I should be doing. And we recognize that it's discipline. And we make that right. But often, we think God is mad at us over something. And often, we are right where he wants us to be. It's not because of sin. It's not because we've been in self-will. It's because he sent us into the storm for a positive purpose. I'm going to say, I'm going re- to tell you something. Listen, remember this. The eye of the storm, the eye of our storm may be right in the middle of God's will. The eye of the storm we are in at this moment might be right in the center of God's will. It's not because of sin, not because of self-will. It's because we are right where God wants us to be. And once again, Jesus prayerfully sends us into these storms for a positive purpose. To show us our inability and his ability. Remember the bread and the fish. Remember? So that we'll depend on him instead of ourselves. So that we'll see things his way instead of our way. (laughs) God has a whole different perspective. A whole different goal for our life. A whole different purpose for our life. It's like... A two-year-old, and on our perspective for our, for our two-year-old, right? The two-year-old wants to eat everything in the store, and they want to get the ice cream, and they want this and that. Well, we know it's not good for them. We have a different perspective. But a lot of times we're like that two-year-old in the store. And, and God's the parent. He's saying, no, I want to grow you up. That's not going to help you. Here's some broccoli. But anyway, the, uh, how do we respond to God's test? As we get ready to go to prayer here, how do we respond? To God's test. It makes the whole difference of what we get out of it. How do we respond to the storm? I remember a a, a boat ride I took the kids on. I grew up on a farm. A lot of you know that. And we used to be able to go home in the spring for when we had just younger kids. Back when we only had six kids. This is when this happened. We only had six kids at the time. And they were all younger and we didn't have any in the public school yet. And so we, uh, I remember we went to my parents' farm in the spring. 
and there's a ponds and creeks and everything, and usually they're not very high, but when the snow is melted <laughs> in June, it's still melting, uh, where I came from, where the snow's melting, the creeks fill up, the pond, everything floods. And I wanted to take the kids on a boat ride, canoe ride. And we had just had this one old rickety canoe. It was actually cracked in the bottom, and it, it would start leaking water. As soon as you put it in the water, it would start leaking water. But I was like, I really wanted to take the kids. And I, I put all six of them. I got them in the pond, and I put all six kids in the canoe. And Kim wasn't anywhere around. And, uh, and I, I put them in there. And as soon as we get in, the water starts seeping in, and the kids are all panicking. And I didn't even have an oar. I had a stick. You know, I was trying to push through, you know, through the pond. And it was kind of deep. And, uh, and so I'm trying to get to the, to the creek mouth so we could go through the the creek I was going to take him on a ride and my dad comes running out with a video camera and he's running behind he's having a great time watching this because he did the same things when we were kids and somehow we all survived so anyway the, he's following us and and uh we, we I'm trying to get out of the pond and we got stuck on this rock we got caught up on some rocks that were like on the kind of like at the edge of the little dam there and and I I'm trying to get under the bridge and we're trying to get under the bridge and and we all had to lay flat on our backs to get under the bridge because it was so flooded and Sarah was only like a year and a half. You know, Sarah, she's, she's older now. But anyway, she's uh, 15, 14, 14, I knew that. So anyway, she's, uh, she, she was only a year and a half. And you remember little Sarah? She's like little, the little who girl. What was the one in the... Cindy Lou Who. We called her Cindy Lou Who because she just, just looked just like that. And, and I didn't know she was underneath me. I was squashing. I heard her hair say, me too, me too. I'm like, I, was, I was squashing her. I didn't even know it. So, but she's squashing the water. It was soft. There's water in the bottom of the boat. You know, it's freezing. And so we, we're keep, we keep going, and, and we stopped at this little falls. We finally hit, like, a little waterfall. It wasn't that big. And uh, we're stuck there, and they're all panicked. Why did to get out? Why did to get out? You know, they're all, half of them wanted to get out. I'm going to get out. I stay in the boat. You'll drown. You know, we're going to drown anyway. It's full of water in the canoe. You know, and they're all freaking out, right? It was crazy. And they're wet and cold. Now, some were scared, and they were Several were crying. It's, we got it on the video, you know. You'll have to come over and watch the video sometime. Uh, but, uh, but some of them were laughing and having a great time. And they were having a great time. And so half are crying and the other half are laughing. The other half are, uh, the other half are dumping their boot out and putting it back on. And, and we were, you know, and, and, and I was like, the whole time I'm saying, don't worry. We're going to be fine. This is going to be fun, you know. This is going to be fun. Stay in the boat, you know. And, and uh, all six of them. And the whole time. And, and. What now when we watch the video, they all laugh now. They all laugh. Even Sarah laughs now. We watch the video, right? They all think it's so funny to watch. But at the time, half were crying and half were cr laughing. What was the difference? The trust, right? Their perspective, right? Their perspective was the key and the response. The ones who trusted me, dad wouldn't really kill us, would he? You know? Yeah. They, <laughs> They trusted me. The other ones didn't and still don't sometimes. But uh, they, 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 they didn't. And that was the difference is trusting dad. And, and that is a picture of our life and our storms, right? When we trust God, why am I all wet? Why am I cold? Why am I feel like I'm going to sink any minute? But, but God, God's got a purpose and someday we'll be in heaven looking back at this video of my life and we'll be having a good laugh about it. You know? If we keep that perspective, it makes all the difference. That's faith. But if we're like, 
you know, why are you doing this to me, God? And, you know, why are you do? nobody here does that. But, but uh, you might be married to somebody who does that, right? And, uh, or know somebody like that. But why, why do I got to go through this? No one else is going through this. Why is it me? And why am I wet? Why am I cold? And why, you know? And, and then we're going to miss the whole point of the ride. And guess what? We're going to have to get back on the merry-go-round, right? Because God's going to accomplish his purpose in our life. He's going to grow us up. The key is, is our perspective. Maybe you're riding the rapids right now, this morning. Maybe you're in some rough waters. Don't miss next week because Jesus gets in the boat. I'll give you a hint. Jesus gets in the boat, but that's next week. But what is he putting us through right now to cause us to depend on him? On his grace. What is God trying to teach us? What, are we going to bow out? Or are we going to let him work in our life? Are we going to trust him even in the storms of doubts and sin and temptations and fear and health struggles and finances and unsaved loved ones? Are we going to trust him in this storm? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're on a spiritual journey. You're seeking for God. And and that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope you keep on coming. But maybe you're not a Christian yet. And maybe God is putting you through a storm to drive you to your knees. To bring you to him. Most of us could point to a storm that God used to bring us into a relationship with him. When he broke our flesh and he broke ourselves and we turned him. Maybe you can point to that time. I was having lunch today, uh, this week with Gary. And he was telling me some of his story. And I called him yesterday. Be careful what you tell me. I called him yesterday. I said, Gary, could you just share some of that on Sunday? Gary, come on. Just share for a few minutes on, on how the storm you went through and how God did this very thing I was talking about. I'm, I'm putting the sermon together. I'm like, that's Gary's story. So come on, come on up right here so they can hear you. Uh, it's, a, <clears throat> it's a dark period in my life, obviously. A uh, lot of sickness. Uh, I had been diagnosed with uh, uh, heart liver problems and it was on a, a, a list. In fact, I was on a beeper for immediate surgery. And... Um, uh, of course, I, I was then told that I had to leave my apartment and get someplace on a solid ground. They were going to do continuing testing. If you know anybody that's ever had a transplant, that they they go through everything. They check down to your fingernails and toenails and gum lining. And anyhow, in the process of this, I was getting sicker. Uh, and uh, I recall going to a doctor and saying, you know, something else is going on. And uh, to make a long story short, he didn't really know what he was talking about. And I was going to be, this was going to be my last visit to him. Uh, my friends kept saying, you've got to change doctors. There's something else here. And uh, I remember going to him and he said, you know, as we talk, he said, I have uh, consulted with somebody at the hospital. They're going to get back to me. And uh, I sent some of your test work over. And in about five minutes, he came back in. And looked like he had just slapped him across the face. He said, listen, he said, they are waiting for you at the emergency room. He said, just go straight to the emergency room. Don't, it was a beautiful day like this, but tempering storms were in the horizon. And he said, don't even go home, close windows. So anyhow, I went there and uh, the bottom line was uh, they started testing and uh, to find out the degree of my problems. And during one of the tests, uh, a 
we've all had the test where you drink the barium, I guess it is, and you, you had it like definitely here. But I had it, and uh, but mine didn't come out. <laughs> so a couple of days later, I woke up in, uh, in sur surgery, in RI, uh, the uh, emergency room. And anyhow, uh, I recall being at home and I was laying on my bed and it was, everything was coming. And I just, they couldn't find, figure out at that point really what was going on and they were going to be doing more tests. But I, it, it was just a dark period in general. And I, I just recall laying on the bed and it's just my own perspiration. And I was looking up at this beautiful sky and for some reason I just looked up and I said, God, I, I can't do this anymore. And it was something awesome that just came over me. And I still couldn't even connect as eventually the phone started ringing and uh, the difficulty I was having in selling my place, all of a sudden somebody was interested. I had found a place on my own which the realtor didn't know was available when they did uh, check into it. They said, oh, the ladies in Florida, it's in negotiation now. But uh, we put an offer in anyhow, and they both came through at the same time. And as I had sat on it on my way back, they opened the mail. I was needing money to move and to think about the move. And I had uh, Social Security came through for me because I had to stop working. I was like, at work, I was just blowing up. You could watch me blow up. So in the meantime, they found out what was wrong with me and uh, uh, they, 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 the, the reason that they had the surgery died in trachea. And I had two surgeries where they took out intestinal tract. But anyhow, uh, my social security came, which meant I was gonna have money and all the back from the fighting of the lawyer trying to establish the, uh, the problem. And the biggest thing, of course, was uh, was it prepared me for my transplant? You, like I said, it was constant testing, and the sonograms were probably every week, uh, maybe even more. And I got to know the girls that were doing it, and uh, I say, How, how's it look? And uh, I started hearing something. It was like at one point, I said, "Well, this seemed worse," and a couple more comments. But the last one was, "I don't know what I'm looking at." or you're supposed to be looking at, but I'm not seeing anything or finding anything. So I kind of knew. I, I had been in the stage of doing some homopathic things on my own, and I was beginning to become a little bit spiritual, obviously, from the experience. And uh, I recall all the, the testing that is sent down to Einstein, and I would go down there, and they'd discuss the, the results and what the plans were. And I went down, and in the middle of this conference, the, the, uh, the main man was uh, foreign, and he had broken English, but he said, Gary, we don't know what you do. And I was suspicious, even going down, I felt this. He said, but whatever you do, you keep doing it. He said, we're taking you off the list. And uh, I was no longer...
that's a beautiful picture. Just finally, Gary turning to God and I can't do it. And that was the start of his spiritual journey and, uh, and the, the healing and then his spiritual healing, becoming a Christian and growing spiritually. And uh, you've been here since the start of the church, right? Yeah, he's been here since 14 years. But uh, just seeing him grow and, and grow in his faith They gave you two years to live? That was 18 years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the wild thing, as he shared with me, was, was that physical need turned him to Christ. And he ended, that's what brought him to his faith, was that, that first crisis, the storm, turning to God. God healed him and gave him this time to grow spiritually and to come to Christ. And, that's a picture. That's a, a beautiful picture. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to each one of us? Maybe you're here today and you're in a storm and you've never turned to God. You've never said, God, I can't do it. I need you in my life. Just as Gary called out, which led to the next step of putting his faith in Jesus. Maybe your first prayer today is just, God, I need you. Maybe you're ready to take the step of faith and give your life to Jesus. Right where you are, right where you're sitting, between you and God. Just say, God, I ask you to forgive me my sin all the wrong I've ever done I ask you to forgive me I repent of it I turn away from it I ask for your forgiveness through your son Jesus who died for me who paid for me I put my faith in Jesus my trust my hope in him give my life to you God if you've prayed that prayer your life will never be the same I'm not saying it's going to be easy there's still going to be storms but you have somebody in the boat now with you you have Jesus Christ in your life you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you can call on God as your father any time, any minute, any second. You can call on him as your father for that mercy and grace. And if you've taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you. Maybe you came with a friend or family member. Maybe you fill out the card and stick it in the box or text me or call me or tell me on the way out. Anything. Email. Let let. Me know, let somebody know. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Next week we're going to look at Jesus getting in the boat, but we have to be ready for that in our life on a daily basis. Surrendered and at the end of our strength and depending on God's grace and looking for Jesus. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Father, we thank you for the promise 
that whatever we're going through, you are there with us. And Jesus, your son, is interceding and praying for us. And your Holy Spirit is there to empower us if we allow him to fill us. We don't grieve him, but we allow him to fill us. Your Holy Spirit is there to empower us. Father, I pray that we would have hope today. Every one of us would have hope that you are at work in our lives and you're accomplishing your good purpose. I pray that in Jesus' name.